What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, your host, your friend, and fellow action taker. And we are back once again to uncover the treasures of the ancient world, dust it with the help of science and research, and provide it to you in a way that is simple and actionable. Action Tribe, one of the main reasons why people don't achieve goals is because they try to do all of it by themselves. I know that many of you have stumbled upon this new way of thinking, right? A new way of life where you can give equal attention to your mind, body, and spirit, a way by which you can achieve a total human revolution and it's often the case that you don't get the required support from your peers friends or even family members and that's why I've created a mastermind group on Facebook for the listeners of our show. The method is simple at the beginning of the weekend we share the goals that we are working on and then head towards our individual journeys we report back the results on a Sunday evening and provide feedback ideas and support that can help others get closer to their goals as well. This weekend event has been enormously beneficial beneficial to so many members of our group. So if you are interested in achieving your goals one by one and being a member of our group, a group that just gets you, then visit my7chakras.com forward slash tribe. Once again, that's my7chakras.com forward slash T-R-I-B-E. So visit the link, click join and I will see you on the other side. And with that, I am super stoked to welcome our featured guest for today, Julie Peters. So Julie, are you ready to inspire? Absolutely. Great. So Julie is a writer and co-owner of Ocean and Crow Yoga Studio in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the same place that I am a part of. She is the author of the new book, Secrets of the Eternal Moon Phase Goddesses, Meditations on Desire, Relationships and the Art of Being Broken. So Julie, that was a short glimpse into your life, but take about a minute and tell Action Tribe a bit more about you. So I have just finished uh, writing uh, this book, which has recently been published, and I started practicing yoga when I was about 12 years old. And I had a sort of a difficult time when I was in my teenage years. I had uh, issues with anxiety. I had anorexia and stuff like that. I've had some things happen in my life. And the yoga practice, and especially recently in combination with the goddesses that I wrote about and the tantric philosophy that I've been following, have been really helping me to practice a form of self-acceptance and a form of sort of joy in everyday life, which has been really helpful for me and has helped me a lot to kind of get through some of those things. I also run the yoga studio Ocean and Crow on Commercial Drive in Vancouver, which is a really lovely small studio. So we have, you know, our, our usual classes have about six people in them. And I have a chance to really get to know people that I'm working with in my community. And it's become a really inclusive environment for people who are also just on whatever journey they're on. I 
it's a very welcoming space and a space where people can explore their yoga practice in the way that really works best for them. That sounds awesome. Thanks a lot for sharing. Now, before moving into the main portion of today's show, we're going to take some time to get inspired. So Julie, what is your favorite inspirational quote? And tell us how you apply this quote in your life. This is a quote that I love from the poet Rilke. And he writes, be patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves, like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given to you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. So that's the quote. And I love it because I think it really embodies a lot of what I've been learning over the last couple of years that, you know, we often want to kind of come to a place where we have found the solution and we want everything to sort of be okay in this really static way. But when you get into a really deep sort of spiritual meditation or yoga practice, one of the major things that you learn is that everything is changing all the time. And of course, you don't, you can't predict the future. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how you're going to feel. And, you know, there is actually a really, there's a joy that you can find in appreciating what's happening today, whether it's confusing or strange or uncomfortable or joyful, and just kind of being present with all those things and letting the next day happen on its own terms, rather than than sort of telling a lot of stories about what it's supposed to be like and what the answer should turn out to be. So I think it just really embraces that philosophy of acceptance and joy in the present moment. So thanks a lot for sharing that profound thought. Try to love the questions themselves. Action Tribe, how far you get in life is your ability to ask some really powerful questions. So my question to you is that what is that one question in your mind right now? You don't need to have the answer at present, but the fact that you love the question that you are asking yourself is something in itself. So thanks a lot for reminding us, Julie. And with that, let's dive in. What inspired you to write your book, The Secrets of the Eternal Moon Phase Goddesses? So as I mentioned, I've been doing yoga since I was about 12, and uh, that's more than 20 years now. Almost, That's actually about exactly 20 years now. And I've kind of gone in and out with it. There have been times when it's been really, really helpful for me in my life, but there also have been some times where it's been um, challenging for me, or it hasn't really given me what I needed from it. And I think that's partly because the yoga practice is so vast. It comes from a really rich and varied history of religion and philosophy and um, all kinds of changes in terms of how yoga changed when it hit colonial India in the 20th century and then kind of moved on to the US and what happened there. And there's just so much going on with uh, yoga. And so there are some messages from yoga culture, yoga philosophy that are really helpful. And there are some that are a little strange as well. And so I, I got to this place where I was feeling kind of confused about all of it. I just, I didn't really know where I was going with my practice. I was really pretty deep into some of those questions. And then I came across this teacher um, from New York named Eric Stoneberg, and he has these wonderful lectures um, that he does online. And one of the courses that I did with him was on these moon phase goddesses, which are called the Nityas. And they are basically, there's a different goddess for each phase of the moon, and they are all a manifestation of the goddess Lalita, who some of you might have heard of before. And they each represent a lesson about relationships. And that can be relationship with an other. It can also be relationship with yourself or with your community at large, with the environment. And the practice is basically on each of those nights of the moon. So you can start on the new moon. The new moon goddess is Kameshvari. And then the next one is Bhagamalani. And you kind of go on until Lalita is the full moon night. And each night you spend some time kind of meditating on the uh, topics that she brings up. And so in the practice of doing these practices, learning about these 
these goddesses and then uh, studying deeper into the tantric philosophy. As I understand it, I really came across this philosophy that embraces the whole range of what it means to be a human. Sometimes in yoga, you kind of get this impression that you should find a way to be happy all the time and that everything should sort of be beautiful all the time. And tantric philosophy says, no, no, that's not, that's great. I mean, happy and beautiful are, are good and enjoyable, but um, there is also some real riches to confusion and pain and grief. And we need to learn to equally engage with those things in order to be a full spiritual being and really enjoy our short time that we have on the planet to be with it. And so going through these goddesses and learning that philosophy really helped me to come to a place of just being like, oh, I'm just a human and that's okay. I've been through some things. I also continue to go through some things. There's always a little piece of joy to find somewhere. And if it's grief and confusion, that's okay too. I can really even find uh, joy at the seed of grief, which is a really interesting experience. Wow. So a couple of things here, you started doing yoga since you were 12, but that did not come without its set of challenges. But the challenges were something that you welcomed into your life because you realized that the whole experience of being a human is not about just being happy, but to experience happiness and grief and sadness and challenge and trials and tribulations uh, so that you have that whole cycle of what it means to be a human. At one point, you were a bit confused about your practice until you came across the moon phase goddesses and that put everything into perspective. Love the story. Now, what according to you are some of the benefits of doing yoga? There are so many benefits to doing yoga and throughout your journey of yoga, they can really change over time. Mm. So for me at first, I think, you know, there are just some really basic standard benefits that you'll get right away, which is just that, you know, your back feels better and you're breathing more deeply. And there are some really basic physical uh, experiences that can be really enjoyable about doing a yoga practice. And then as you get deeper into the practice, I think you can hit on some of those more emotional or spiritual benefits. And I think that for me now, the benefit to my yoga practice, you know, it's not about for a while it was, you know, how interesting and exciting it was to see my body getting stronger or being able to do, you know, a headstand or a handstand or something like that. I was really proud of being able to do those postures. But as you go through a life, you know, I was hit by a car and I, I couldn't do any of those practices in the same way anymore. And I had these knee problems for a long time. And you kind of realize that, oh, you know, the real benefit to practicing yoga is just showing up to your body and your mind as they are in that moment. And really cultivating, I think, an intimate and loving relationship with yourself, with your body, so that whether your knee hurts or your back hurts, or, you know, if the only thing that you can do that day is lie on the floor and breathe, that that's okay. You just keep showing up to that and you know that it's going to keep changing. So maybe tomorrow you'll be able to do a child's pose or, you know, in six months you'll be back doing handstands again. And that's fine. But it's just, you know, the point isn't the postures. It's really more so having a place to show up where you can just feel and really learn to love whatever it is that you find there. As I mentioned, whether that's joy or grief or pain and just really learning to cultivate that loving relationship with yourself uh, through all the things that you go through in the range of having a human life. Wonderful. So I loved your response. Firstly, I can totally resonate with the feeling that one gets after a yoga session. Your back feels better. You're able to breathe much easier and also the importance of focusing on your breath. I've heard so many people say that even if you don't learn the yoga poses or the yoga 
asanas if you're able to breathe much more easier if you're able to focus on your deep breathing the ujjayi breath as they say then you've made a lot of progress in your yoga practice and then you speak about the emotional and spiritual benefits as well as you become more rigorous in your yoga practice you become more disciplined you become more experienced but it's really interesting and wonderful to note that for you now it's beyond just the physical poses or the asanas but it's about just showing up and that's such a powerful idea because a lot of people succeed or not succeed and that all of that depends on their ability to just show up uh, whether it's your workout whether it's your work whether it's your business whether it's your yoga session as well action tribe i want to ask you this question are you showing up day after day rain or sun whether you're in a challenge or whether you're really happy make sure that you are showing up to whatever you have committed towards thanks a lot for that wonderful response julie what are some of the different types of yoga that you teach or your instructors teach at your studio we teach um, mostly a practice called flow or vinyasa or a practice that we call slow which most people know as hatha mm-hmm. so vinyasa is more dynamic it involves some of those more intense postures inversions things like that sun salutations you sort of move sweat you're breathing really mindfully and then the slow or hatha practice is more about um, just being still in a pose and slowly adjusting it to kind of get really sure about being in that place in your body and then we also have a restorative yoga practice which i teach and that's a really different kind of practice and it's very subtle it involves you know lying on the floor mostly on bolsters and the intention there is to remove as many layers of stress from your body as possible and then the practice is much deeper it's more about your nervous system your immune system endocrine system it's kind of rebalancing everything that gets a little bit unbalanced in our crazy stressed out busy lives living in the city Mm -hmm. and so that's a really beautiful practice as well but it's really a question i think of you know what feels most appropriate to you in that moment so for me for a long time i really needed vinyasa i needed to be really moving uh, steadily and focusing on my breath and not having any space at all to think about anything else for me when i was going through some trauma and anxiety the vinyasa was so helpful for me because it it allowed me to 100% focus on my body and that was such a relief at that time but as i've gone through the things i've gone through i've done some counseling things like that i'm a lot more comfortable sitting with myself and so the slower practices are really great there and in in one sense even though restorative is really easy on the body and it's great if you have injuries or things like that i sometimes think of it as a, a more advanced practice because you have nothing to do but sit there and feel what you feel and think you think whatever <laughs> thoughts are going on in your mind and for many people that can be a, a deeply advanced practice so it kind of depends on where you're at and what's comfortable for you and i think it's nice to practice a range of those things in order to be kind of balanced in your body but it's okay to to gravitate towards what you like i think especially if you're just getting started wonderful one of the things i like about yoga is the range of offerings available so it's like a menu that you go through and depending on what you feel like where what stage in life you're at you can always choose whatever you want to practice maybe it's a vinyasa or maybe it's something like a hatha yoga or yin yoga or the restorative practice that you spoke about so you spoke about moving in the moment what is your definition of moving meditation yeah i think the vinyasa practice is a really beautiful example of moving meditation and the main point of vinyasa which i think uh can sometimes get lost in some uh you know big classes where people are just there to have a workout and stuff like that is that the intention of a vinyasa practice is to link the movement and the breath and so you do a practice in vinyasa called ujjayi breath mm-hmm. and um there are lots of different ways to describe it but it's basically a smooth rhythmic breath um that often has a little whispering sound at the back of the throat so you can kind of hear it and stay connected to it and then you practice moving your body in this way that feels a little bit like your breath and your body are dancing and the breath 
is leading the dance. And you have this sense that your body is just kind of following the rhythm of that breath. And one of the nicest things that I love to do is sense salutations. It's something that I've been doing since I started yoga. You know, it, it doesn't get boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the sequence really well. And so you can really practice just connecting that breath and that movement. And um, even though the postures can be intense, it can be kind of a, a physically challenging practice. It is incredibly soothing for the nervous system to have that connection between the breath and the body. And so even if you've got a lot going on in your mind, you know, just doing that sun salutation, really connecting with the breath is a way to immediately calm down and reconnect with your body and reconnect with your mind and focus. It really kind of wipes clean whatever it is that's going on in your mind and lets you start from start fresh again. Beautiful. Now, doing yoga is one thing and teaching is a whole different experience. And somehow by teaching, you're able to learn better too. So how does one go about becoming a yoga teacher? What's the process like? That's a great question. You can do a 200-hour yoga teacher training in pretty much anywhere. They're, they're really accessible now um, to do them. And basically, once you have that 200-hour yoga teacher training, you can get insurance, you're certified to teach. But that's really just the beginning of the journey. And there are so many different paths that you can take down that road of teaching yoga. When I started teaching, I had been practicing for quite a while. So I had a real intimacy already with the postures and the things that I I wanted to teach. And I think that was really helpful for me. I see a lot of people getting teacher trainings who have only practiced yoga a few times Mm. or for, you know, a couple months or something like that. And I think it's really important to have an intimacy with the practice before you start teaching it. So I think that, you know, having some experience in that sense is really helpful. And then, you know, there are lots of different trainings that you can get. But again, in that same vein, I think just gaining experience teaching is really helpful, whether that's, you know, just just teaching to your family members or setting up a little class in a rented space and and getting people to come and and practice with you. You know, there are really valuable things that you can only learn from watching your students and observing Mm -hmm. how your cues work or don't work on them, uh, getting to know different kinds of bodies and the different things that people come in with, learning to observe. I mean, I feel like now I kind of have this intuition that I've been developing where I can see like, oh, that person's having a bad day today. Mm -hmm. That person needs a bit more support or, you know, that person is, there's something going on with their back and and I know a pose that will help them. And I know how to kind of go over and, and say like, is this what's going on for you and be able to offer something that can help them. And I think that that's something that can't really be taught in a teacher training necessarily, although there are a lot of things that can be and those are really important too, to, to do workshops and take follow-up trainings and things like that once you've got your initial 200 hour. But you also have to apply those things and see how they work in, in real bodies and get feedback and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that you hinted at this a bit, but how did you first enter the field of yoga? What's the story behind that? It's a bit of a funny story. I have um, a master's degree in Canadian poetry from McGill University. And I really discovered how helpful yoga was for me during that time, especially in terms of my writing, which is obviously a huge part of my practice as well. I noticed that when I was practicing yoga, my writing was better, my ideas were better, I could sit longer and work longer and all of that stuff. And it was really wonderful. And then I, uh, you know, I got my master's and I felt pretty burnt out by it. I wasn't sure if I wanted to be in academia anymore. I was really tired. Mm. And so I left Montreal. I came to Vancouver where my parents uh, still live. And I just had one of those times where I just, I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) I was just going to say yes to everything that came my way and just kind of see what happened in my life. And I had a a pretty hard time getting work. And then I, I got a job working behind the desk at a yoga studio, started to get really involved in the community, decided to get my 200 hour, lost that job. Mm. <laughs> and so I had nothing but this 200 hour, you know, teacher 
training to do. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm teaching full time. You know, I, I had intended to keep uh, working during that time as I was, getting, but you know, I, I was really left with no choice at that point. So I started teaching at uh, what was then called Eastside Yoga Studio in my neighborhood, Commercial Drive, and was totally in love with the studio. I felt so comfortable there. I just loved it. And I ended up, the owner of the studio, Coco, became a friend of mine. And uh, she asked me to become a partner with her in the business and not having any idea what I was doing. I said, yes, <laughs> you know, it's like, sure, I'll, I'll run a business with you. Did not know what I was getting into at all. But she and I ended up running the studio together. And then, you know, things went on, things um, evolved. She ended up having to leave the studio. And my mom, Jane, came in to run the studio with me, which is now called Ocean and Crow Yoga. So we, we now own that studio together. So that's kind of how it happened. It was a little bit of the whole thing was a bit accidental. And it really came from a place of just kind of saying yes to these different opportunities and dealing with the consequences as they came. And uh, I really think I got quite lucky. You know, I was working mm -hmm. really hard, but I don't have a business degree. I didn't really know, you know, what I was getting myself into. But uh, it turned out so great. I'm so grateful that that's sort of how, how things turned out. But it certainly wasn't, uh, you know, what I thought was going to happen when I left my master's. I, I thought I was going to go back and get a PhD and do all these other things. But, you know, mm -hmm. life really happened to me in that sense. Great. Really inspiring. Now, what advice do you have for someone who is new to yoga and is considering embracing this practice and philosophy? So I think it's pretty important to find a teacher that works for you. There are so many studios and teachers in uh, Vancouver, at least. And um, I guess it depends on where you are. There, there might be more or less options. But, uh, you know, if you can get a recommendation from somebody or a lot of studios have introductory um, deals, so you can go and, you know, try a free class or get a, a cheaper pass or something like that. Um, so that you can check out a few different places because there are just a lot of different philosophies and a lot of different styles of teaching. And, mm -hmm. you know, generally there will be something that works for you. So even if the first class you take, you don't really like, uh, you might take another one and find that that works better for you. So I would say, you know, don't assume that the first class you take is representative of all yoga. That's important. And then the second thing is just really show up to who you are. You know, the yoga, if you can breathe, you can do yoga. <laughs> okay. So even if you have that sense of like, oh, I'm not flexible enough to do yoga, or like, oh, I have this weird thing in my knee or, you know, whatever limitations you might perceive yourself as having. Um, one of the beautiful things about the yoga practice is that there is always something that you can do, always. And so there is going to be a practice that will work for you, at least physically. And so, you know, if you come in and something's hard or something's confusing, just really accept that that's what's happening for you. It's totally okay. And if a teacher makes you feel bad about it, then that's probably not the teacher for you and go and find somebody who's going to really accept you for who you are as well. I think that's a really important thing. And just don't put pressure on yourself to be, you know, doing some kind of crazy pose right away. Just go to, to breathe and, and check out what's going on in your body and see if you like it and, and don't put too much pressure on it. Well, thanks a lot for that advice. Now, Julie, our show is all about learning powerful skills, but also taking action so that we're able to build some momentum towards progress. So is there a health tip that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Well, the sort of one thing that I really do every day that I I think is incredibly beneficial is meditating every day. And so for me at this point in my life, that's a practice that I really benefit a lot from. But what I think it's doing for me is when I take that 10 minutes or whatever it is every morning, what I'm doing is I'm really taking a step to say, this is for me and me alone. I'm not doing this for anybody else but me. 
And so I think that, you know, some people are pretty good at meditating right away. Most people aren't. Meditating is pretty hard. (laughs) And so I think that if you can show up to some practice every day, and it could be yoga, it could be lying on the floor for 10 minutes, it could be, you know, um, I have a friend who uh, takes a a half an hour out of her day to to practice learning French, (laughs) you know, Mm. it doesn't have to be specifically meditation. But I think just committing to some practice that's for you and not for anyone else that allows you to be present with what you feel in your body. Uh, Writing is another practice that I have every day as well. Um, I think that just the act of showing up and committing to that thing is sending your your body and your soul a really deep message that you care about yourself and that you deserve to have that time for yourself. So even if it's not actually meditation, I think any kind of practice like that that you can do every day that's really just for you, it improves your self-esteem, it gives you so much strength, Mm. and then that will give you sort of the courage to go and do those other things that you want to take action on, whether it's yoga or going to the gym or, or whatever those things are. I think it can really give you a lot of strength. So that would be my advice. Just show up to something, like choose something, commit to it, something you enjoy, show up to it every day to give yourself that message that you deserve to have that time to yourself. So thanks a lot for that powerful health tip. We'll have that in the show notes as well. So Action Tribe, to access the show notes for today's episode, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 120. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 120. I am not afraid of storms for I am learning how to sail my ship. This is a quote by Louisa May Alcott. Action Tribe, this is such a powerful way to look at anything in life. When you look at every experience in life as training, what you get as a result are not failures but life lessons. Waves might seem dangerous but not to a professional surfer. Dirt and stone might seem daunting but not to a mountain biker. And almost everyone is scared of a furious storm. But according to Louisa Alcott, to a captain in training, that storm is just practice. So looking back now, Julie, uh, if you had to speak about a challenge, could you tell us how did you first come across that challenge and how did you overcome it? Well, as I mentioned, I have dealt with some issues in my life. And um, in the book, I, I do write a little bit about this. I had a moment, it was, it was around the time when I was hit by a car on my bike. And that came just weeks, I think, after um, splitting up with a partner that I almost got engaged to. <laughs> And um, so I was in physically in pain and I was not able to do my yoga practice. And during that time, I was having a lot of sort of memories and thoughts coming up about a sexual assault that I had um, experienced. And so I was really in a place where I was quite, I felt quite broken. <laughs> Nothing was really working. And the tools that I had working for me previously, including yoga, weren't really available to me in the same way. I felt really lost. And one of the goddesses, uh, she's not a moon goddess, but I do write about her a bit in the book. And I learned about her from Eric. Stoneberg as well, is this goddess called Akilandeshri, and her name means she who is never not broken. Mm. And she's this goddess who is standing on a crocodile and she's smiling sweetly and in her image she has um, these sort of multiplying into infinity images of herself kind of the way that if you were standing in between two mirrors, you would see your image just extending out into infinity. And so, and her standing on the crocodile is a little bit about her kind of riding her fear and not necessarily pushing it away, but actually using it to her advantage. And part of what she's saying is that, you know, there's actually power in being broken. And I'd love to actually read you a little paragraph about her from my book, if you don't mind. So keeping in mind, this is this goddess of never being unbroken. In the book I write, wholeness may be comfortable, but it's also limiting. Akilandashvari's brokenness acts like a prism that breaks white light up into many different colors. The colors were there all the time, but you couldn't see them through the unbroken white light. 
Difficult times in our lives can break up our story of ourselves and reveal colors we didn't know were there, like our resilience, our compassion, or some great desire that has thus far never been fulfilled. Suddenly we realize how oppressive it is to have to be whole all the time. When we learn to snuggle up to the experience of brokenness, we are able to face our fears. We can ride them down the river like Akhil and Ashvari on her crocodile. This goddess wants us to see the possibilities that emerge when our lives are in pieces, and she wants us to play within the fragments. So when I went through this experience and started learning about this goddess, I really found that, you know, my way through healing from all of those experiences, you know, it, it wasn't about trying to return to what I was before. It was really about learning to engage with um, the spaces in between all of my broken pieces and um, really finding this opportunity that, you know, when you're totally broken and nothing is working, you have this opportunity to put yourself back together in a new way. And it's often in a way that you never could have conceptualized before you got broken in the first place. And so I think a lot of what that experience taught me is just that it's okay to be broken. It's okay for things to stop working. It's okay for your story to, to kind of get interrupted. And what we can do is put ourselves back together again and create a new story and kind of move on from that. But we have to always be aware that that story and that wholeness um, will probably break down again. And we will end up in some situation where everything is confusing and we don't know, um, you know, quite where to turn, but that that's going to be okay. And I love the quote that you just read about, you know, learning to be a, a captain in a ship of storms um, so that you're not being afraid of storms because storms do happen like in our lives, uh, we can go through these experiences for sure. We can't protect ourselves from, you know, pain and, and difficulty. But what we can do is really learn from them and, and learn to see ourselves in the new way that is possible when we break down who we thought we were before and really find some power and some riches in that experience. Well, thanks a lot for sharing your story. Now, as you look back at your life in just one sentence, what is that one major life lesson that you'd like to share with our listeners? One major life lesson is that love Love is a mirror and that when you learn to love yourself, that is reflected in your love for others. And that when you allow others to love you, you learn to love yourself better. And that love can also be a practice in that sense. And it's something that is self-perpetuating. So the more you practice it, the more you can develop it, the more you draw it into your life through other people that love you unconditionally, the more that you can find that love. Beautiful. So you shared that you had an accident. So you're physically hurt. And this was just after a breakup. So you were mentally hurt as well. And that might have been such a challenging situation to deal with. And that's when you remembered one of the goddesses who reminded you that there is power in being broken, not returning to your earlier state, but finding a new way to put yourself back together once again. I think that's highly inspiring. Thanks a lot for sharing this story once again. Action Tribe, based on the plans that you make, based on the actions that you take, based on the people that you work with, you might see a transformation within a few years or sometimes within a few months as well. The key to keep progressing, reaching new heights and constantly taking things to a whole new level is your ability to remain humble no matter how big you get. Now, the definition of humility can be a bit confusing sometimes and that's when Ken Blanchard comes to our rescue because he once stated that humility does not mean you think less of yourself. It means you think of yourself less. So Julie, have you found your life's calling? And if yes, what is your life's calling? I love that word calling. I think it's so interesting. I think that my calling has really changed over and over again. 
again. And, you know, I when I was a kid, I really wanted to be Mariah Carey. That was <laughs> really what I thought I was going to be when I grew up. And it's changed a lot. I wanted to be a writer, which as it turns out, I am. And then I wanted to be an English professor. And then I wanted to be a yoga teacher and then a business person and all these different things. It's changed a lot. And I think that I've been so incredibly privileged to be living in this supportive society with a supportive family. And I've had so many opportunities and I've been so lucky to be able to follow all of these different crazy paths, which are certainly not, you know, the, the standard path that I necessarily thought I, I might be following when I was younger. And I think that writing this book has been, you know, it has always been a dream of mine to write a book. I never thought I would actually pull it off, but I have. And I'm really, really proud of that. And I feel so lucky that I had the opportunity to do that. And so I think that, you know, part of what I feel about calling is that I think it's wonderful to be able to be drawn to things that you want to do, but you do need to have support um, to be able to follow those paths. And I think that if you do have the privilege to follow a path that allows for any kind of um, healing or help or inspiration for other people, it's so wonderful to follow that. And if you do have that privilege, you know, you really have the responsibility to use that privilege for good and try to help people with it, because not everybody has the opportunity to follow those sort of off the beaten path sort of things. A lot of us really do have to just show up to whatever job we have. And it's kind of difficult to find another path off of that in terms of, you know, doing your full-time work as a writer and a yoga teacher, which is what I'm doing now. So I think if you do have that support and that privilege, you've got to use it to help other people. And if you don't, you just have to do the best you can to serve yourself and honor yourself in whatever way you can and, and help people in large or small ways. And I think that's what it means to have a calling is to do the best you can with what you have available and offer it up to other people as much as you can. So as you look back at your life, was there ever a magical moment beyond which you knew without a doubt that your life was about to change? Well, when I got this call about the book, I would say that was a pretty amazing moment. The publisher at Skylight Paths found some of the writing that I'd done online and, uh, you know, was interested in writing this book for me. And it just, it really felt like something had landed in my lap that was just, you know, like this, <laughs> this amazing opportunity. And uh, as I said, I never really thought I would pull off writing a book. I, I'd always wanted to, but it was, I didn't really, you know, you're busy and you're doing all these different things and it's kind of hard to focus on something like that unless you have a, a real reason to. And this publisher was saying, you know, we want to hear about these goddesses. You wrote this blog post, you know, do you think you might want to write a book about that? And it, it really felt like my, my life was about to change. And it was just such a wonderful experience. I have to say writing it, I enjoyed every little piece of it. And I hope that I can continue to write books in my life because I really, really loved that experience. So for me, that was pretty magical. Great. So that one blog post that you spoke about, is it still available? It is. Yeah. On my website, jcpeters.ca, there is a blog post about, uh, it's just a small blurb about each of the goddesses and the book is a sort of an expansion on that. So there you are listeners. We're going to share the link for Julie's website in a short while from now. So stay tuned. But before that, Julie, we've arrived at the very last round for today's episode, the wisdom round, during which I'll ask you four rapid fire questions and you'll respond with short nuggets of wisdom. Are you ready? Yes. Great. What's the best advice that you've ever received? My uh, then thesis supervisor and now literary agent, Robert Lecker, on writer's block said, just blat it out and edit later. So just write whatever it is that comes to you and edit it later, no matter how horrible it seems. That has been some great advice. And I don't really get writer's block anymore, in part thanks to that. And I think in part because of the yoga practice as well. Name a personal habit that keeps you strong. Meditating every morning. Definitely. Awesome. So what's your morning ritual like? In the morning, I wake up and I put the coffee on. 
and uh, I meditate while the coffee is brewing. And then I drink a bunch of coffee uh, while I uh, write in my journal. So uh, my morning practice is also uh, writing is a really important part of that. I just sit down and write how I feel, how I slept, what's going on in my mind. It just gives me an opportunity to kind of offer that. And then I go on and, and continue to write in the morning on articles or if I'm working on the book or my uh, I have a biweekly column on spirituality and health magazine and I, I'll write that as well. So the morning is for writing, meditating and writing and drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So what's the most powerful book that you've ever read? Oh my gosh, there are so many, but I am going to select for today a book called All About Love by a cultural critic named Bell Hooks, which is sort of a critical thinking approach to love in our society and how it works. And it is such a fascinating and beautiful book. I really recommend it. Awesome. So we'll have this in the show notes. Action Tribe to access today's show notes, visit my 7 forward slash 120. That's my 7 forward slash 120. So Julie, thank you so much for joining us today. Before you go, tell us one thing that you are really grateful for and tell us the best way we can find you online. I must say I'm so grateful for my mom, Jane, who is my partner in the uh, yoga studio. And uh, she has just been a wonderful support in my life. Um, I think she always knew that I was going to be a writer <laughs> since I was a kid and she's been incredibly supportive. So I'm really, really grateful for her and for my dad, Mike. As for where you can find me, uh, my website is jcpeters.ca. I have the book available. You can find it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever you get your books. I am going to be traveling with the book um, for the next little while. I'm going to be in Portland at New Renaissance Books on July 6th and at Maya Whole Health Studio in Renton on July 9th. And then uh, Toronto's Kula Yoga on August 6th, I think it is. And, and then I'm going to be doing an event in Montreal as well at the Chapters Indigo there on August 11th. Uh, hopefully I'll go to New York, some other places this year. Um, you can always send me an email if you want me to come to your city too, if you have a place that you would like to do a yoga workshop with me or a reading from the book or something like that. Um, so I'll be around and all of those events are available on my website as well. So for the benefit of our listeners, could you repeat your website once again? It's jcpeters.ca. Perfect. So Action Tribe, if you listen so far, then you are really curious and interested in learning how you can A, maybe start yoga or if you're already into yoga, learning how you can incorporate more aspects of this beautiful philosophy so that you can take your practice to a completely new level. And in case you want to learn more, go to jcpeters.ca. We'll have this link in the show notes as well. Julie, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about the power of yoga and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you so much for having me. Seven chakras. Go to my S E V E N chakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.